as uh, Anthony was praying, um, one of the issues that we aren't going to take up as a denomination in the next couple of weeks is the abortion issue with petitions and uh, the leaders of Christian churches met yesterday. We meet every two months, the heads of denominations, and we're all united putting a statement together. But more than a statement, we want actually all of our members to ring their local members and throw this stupid thing out that is uh, unbelievable that we could even consider infanticide as a policy in this country of ours. You know, it's just madness. Um, to see in New York State people cheering that a child could be born, because at nine months they're just born and they have to be left to die. Uh, cheering, I'm thinking, how has our world got to this place where we would uh, even consider that? So, um, you know, we, we don't play politics, but on social, moral, ethical issues we, we will speak. So, so just be ready for that one, Sam. We'll get a petition and from the CRC right across, to, so we're actively moving. It's a meeting tomorrow night that some pastors are going to. So, yeah, it's a disturbing one, isn't it? It, it really is an upsetting matter. And also, our statement is that uh, um, of support to women who tend to be abandoned by men and why they pursue uh, this. And so we don't want to attack women who are distraught and upset, and, but to say, look, we're there to support and also to encourage adoption of children when so many people want babies and, and, uh, in our society. I'm going to share part two of what I started on January 20th. Is that right? How Jesus guides us. I did a message on guidance um, and to, um, to share with you how he guides us individually and how he guides us corporately. And the decision for Sam to come into this role, we can actually say um, that we have been guided by Jesus in this matter. And as, as Sam wisely said, Jesus is the head of his church. And we're all under shepherds. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. Uh, we're under orders. And he has given us his, his book, the scriptures, and, um, and that's why he guides us. And I'll just put the, the heading up there. The, uh, by his authoritative word, by his all-powerful spirit, by his circumstantial working, by his proven leaders, and by his protecting peace. And I shared this on the, on the 20th. And if you weren't here, uh, it'd be good for you just to download it on, on you've got it on the web page. Um, so... Uh, I won't cover that, but th this is how he guides us. And we have no doubts that it's been the Lord working in this appointment. And I'm not saying it almost like we make the decision and then we pray, oh, Jesus, bless it. That's not how we operate. It's, Lord, what are you doing? What are you actually, uh, who, who, who have you got? And guide us and lead us and say, in all of our natural interviews and, you know, my SWOT analysis and all that stuff after the interviews. Um, and it, it became a thing that it's the Lord speaking and we're listening and it's been confirmed in the multitude of counsellors. Uh, I would never serve in a church, and I said this before to you, where a leader was not accountable and, uh, or, or, or sackable. That's the bottom line regarding accountability. And I know in my roles, 
as, as senior minister of the Family Centre, national chairman, CRC. And, and I do exercise, you know, I hate using the word power, a lot of power, a lot of influence. I like to call it influence, like in my book, The Leader I Can Be. But I wouldn't serve under somebody who could not be brought to account and ultimately could be sacked. That's important. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's our, our system of governance in Australia and uh, within the church. I think also um, a board of elders, and that's where within the Christian Family Centre, um, one of the issues that I've been addressing within our denomination is that uh, when our founder died in 1977, and I'm a young guy, 24 years of age, 23, uh, 23, and uh, uh, he died suddenly, 57 years of age, Pastor Leo Harris, amazing man, fit as could be, a runner, he just finished doing his running and just died like that in the garage. Just, um, but he had no succession policy. There was no proper governance structure because everyone was loyal to him as the great inspirational leader. And, uh, and so uh, his home church was reduced down from 800 to about 150 people within 15 years. The denomination in South Australia nationally nearly fell apart. And, uh, and so those of us who were younger and young in just starting in ministry, that was burned into us. And so it just happened that uh, a couple of my predecessors in the national area, we all worked together to say, we've got to make sure we build accountability within our denomination and in our churches. So we've been endeavouring to do that. And so within the Christian Family Centre, if our board of elders, what happens if our board of elders go off with the fairies and, and they make some wrong decisions or there's division? We have an advisory council over us. We've never called them into being, but they are there and they have full authority to actually intervene and sort it out, and they have to work with our, within our denomination, CRC Church's National Executive. So we've actually tried to build accountability all the way through. And it's safety, it's protection, it's not to stifle uh, initiative and vision and life, but it's actually to, to ensure there's protection in life and that we do things decently and in order, that we're always glorifying Jesus and, and in line with the scripture, we, that we are loving people and, and uh, you know, ensuring that our witness to the community is, is always credible. So uh, I shared a bit about that. Let me just make a couple of comments on what Jesus' will looks like. <laughs> what does it look like? Um, I've shared on how he guides us. Well, Jesus' will is outworked in your life and in our life when we're dedicated, different and disciplined. And I mean dedicated to God, different to the world, and disciplined by constant mind renewal, ensuring that our mind is, is, is uh, continually aligned to God's purposes. Look at the scripture, Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So he's saying, have a look at God's mercy. Chapters 1 to 11 of Romans, of Romans all has to do with the great mercy of God, the great salvation plan that we've been caught up in, not because of anything we have done or we deserve. We're saved by the grace of Jesus. The love of God has been revealed through the death of Christ for us. He rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit. We have all the power from heaven we need. The guilt of sin has been dealt with, Romans 3. The power of sin has been broken, Romans 6. And ultimately, the, the, the very presence of sin is going to be removed when our new bodies come, when Christ returns, when you read Romans 8 and beyond. 
So Paul says, man, can you see the mercy of God? Because you've received mercy, he says, the most reasonable thing to do is to be dedicated. He says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. How's that? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be different to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love that. So he says, be disciplined. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Isn't that great? So he says, when you are just basically dedicated because you've seen the mercy of God. And you're saying, look, I, I don't want to be part of the, the antichrist world system. We love our physical world and we prayed for our wonderful country of Australia. But the dimensions, the values and, and morals and ethics that, you know, today they're saying, well, you know, community standards is what we go for. You know, that's how we base our morality. And I've argued with, with uh, politicians and members sitting down with Senator Penny Wong and, and uh, Mark Butler, who headed the Australian Labor Party around the corner from ourselves. And I said, do you guys really know what you're talking about? I said, do you throw away a, the, the pillar of authority from the person of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount and the great ethical statements, and you want to recreate something? I said, community standards? What happens if in 30 years' time we say, well, look, polygamy and polyamory and become community standards? People want that. Or what if we want to lower the age of consent to, say, 13? Oh, the community wants it. So there's got to be an authority. Hello? Is that my... Everywhere around the world it's the same problem. Now, just give me now the handheld mic then. We'll turn this thing off and... It's ready to go. Okay. How's that? Terrific. So... Um, So the, a society needs to follow the will of God. And we look at our society. If we turn away from scripture, we turn away from Jesus, then what's authority? Community standards, current values and attitudes. And they're so variable, so variable. And uh, who knows where the society will head. That's why the only answer, I think, I, I don't want to shout at the darkness of all the problems. I, I'm more committed to leading people to Christ and planting churches. If we had 5 million more Bible-believing, born-again, spirit-filled Christians in another 20,000 churches, I reckon some of these debates wouldn't even wouldn't rise off the ground. And uh, so our country needs Christ. Our country needs, need, we need to see millions of people come to faith. And the best way to do that is to plant churches. Christian Family Centre has attempted 25 church plants. We've got uh, since 1987... And we've got uh, about 12, no, maybe nearly 14 churches and outreaches that we've established. Four of them are in the indigenous lands. And uh, so we've actually amalgamated some churches. And, and so we're trying to do it to say, hey, we, we need to see people come to Christ and new churches planted and new leaders raised up. That's to me the ultimate answer. So what Jesus' will looks like will be outworked by being dedicated, different and disciplined. And um, let me say this, uh, that statement, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Just hold that there in suspension while I just cover another important point regarding 
the will of God. Secondly, Jesus' will is in the present, not the future. This is very important to grasp. Some people are forever straining and striving to get into God's will. It's out there, always out there. And it creates a sense of insecurity and instability in their walk with him. The good news is, is that you just have to accept that you are in God's will now if you are dedicated, different, and, dis- and disciplined. Simple. He says, if, if you're just basically dedicated and, and you're different to the world, you, you're not perfect by any means in view of God's mercy, and you're endeavouring to have your mind renewed, is just accept that you're in God's will. And uh, if God's going to lead you, he will lead you like I shared a couple of weeks ago. There's, there's ways by which we can assess that. Um, and so... Look at the scripture. He is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. You see, we plan for the future, but you can't live there. I'm a planner. I'm always thinking and scheming, and I've just turned 65, and I've just got set another 10-year goal of what I want to accomplish in life. And uh, retirement, that's a foul swear word to me. It's refirement. It's like... You just change roles, but you keep serving the Lord and doing as much good to, to people and add value to humanity. And so we plan for the future, but we, gotta, we can't live there. When it comes to your life, you have to live one day at a time. And Jesus said this, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So you've got to accept the reality that you are in God's will now, even though a full understanding of his purposes for your life can't be realised at this point of time. Because if he showed you everything that's going to happen in your life, you'd die of a heart attack. Just be thankful. That's a mercy that he doesn't reveal everything to you, but it does not mean that you're not in his will. A great example of this is, is jolly Elijah. Remember Elijah? God says, I'm going to take you home. You're going to die, boy. Or not actually die. You're going to just somehow get zipped up to heaven. And, uh, and you would think Elijah would go, oh, three days' time. <gasps> See, what would you do if, if God said in three days you're going to heaven? Oh, I better put this right with that person. I better do a bit of extra Bible reading. I better do a little bit more praying. I better... I've got to get in, make sure I'm in God's perfect will. Elijah didn't do any of that. You know what he did? He just kept on doing what he, what he did the day before. Got up, had breakfast. Went and visited his boys at Gilgal and Bethel, the, the schools of the prophets. Just went and just did what he normally did because he knew he was in the very centre of his will. And, and that's a good test to say, well, what if God was to call you home tomorrow? Would you go, would you say, I'm ready, Lord. I know I'm in the centre of your will. I'm just as dedicated as, as I can be. I'm, I'm separated and different to the world and I'm endeavouring to be as disciplined as I can with my mental attitudes. And so... Um, Proverbs 16.9 says, and I haven't got this up there, human plans their course. Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In verse 3 of Proverbs 16, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. He is working. So Jesus' will is in the present, not the future, guys. And uh, uh, thirdly, now going back to that Romans 12 passage, Jesus' will is good, it's acceptable or pleasing, whatever translation you have, and it's perfect. God's will is always good for you. He's not going to ask you to do something that's not in your best interest. He's not like a celestial killjoy that's trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do. That's a weird view of God. 
I don't see it that way. God's will is always good for you and it will suit you. It's acceptable or pleasing and it's perfect just for you. It's, 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 it's God working in you. Look at this in, in, in Hebrews 13. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Look at Philippians 2, and I love this in the Amplified Bible. For it is, for it is God who is effectually at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. So Jesus is not going to call you to do something for which you are unqualified and unsuited. It won't be out of character with yourself. God's will must suit our, our unique personalities and we fit into it easy. It's a bit like the right glove fits into the hand perfectly. And if you're trying to force a little glove into this big hand or if it's a great big monstrous glove and it keeps falling off or the key, the, the, there's the right key for the right lock will open the door. It's suitable, it's, it's, it's uh, logical, it, it flows, it's, a, it, it's good, it's acceptable. When the right key's inserted in the right lock, doors will open. And so, my brothers and sisters, Jesus' will is good for you. It's acceptable. It's perfect. Look at Romans 12. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Be realistic. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. He has distributed a gift of faith, a measure of faith. And in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So ministry success flows from the call of God and the grace of God upon our lives. And that's why I don't have any doubts regarding Sam and Joe, because the call of God is upon their life. It's obvious when you sit down and talk with them and, 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 and dig down and find out, okay, and then you see the grace of God operating. And the same with all of us. A person's gift that comes through the risen Christ, whatever gift is given to you will make room for you. So we don't try and do ministry in our own strength, even here in the life of the church. Each of you have a gift. Each of you are called. And it's important to know what that gift is and to outwork it, and success will flow. It really will flow. Fourthly, Jesus' will is loving. See, God's will expressed in your life is not going to violate the principles of love. Have a look at 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So the will of God is always in harmony with the nature of God. And never forget that God loves people. And so how many times have I counseled people who say, God's spoken to me, and, and this is God's will, and, and yet in the outworking of it, there's dead bodies everywhere. They don't care two hoots what people think, and, and they just do it, you know, where they go and seek counsel, but they go and seek counsel with new converts or people that are going to agree with them, their best buddies. Not prepared to go to people who are older, wiser, smarter, more experienced, people that might say no. I shared with you two weeks ago the great Barry Chant, who was our state chairman, and I get this invitation to go to this church in Victoria. Full pay, car allowance, associate pastor, church of 300. And the old guy was going to hand it over to me. And then I get this other invitation of a bunch of teenagers, no salary, 
no structure, no nothing called the Christian Family Centre. started with 15 teenagers on Mother's Day 1976. And I tell you, my vanity and pride, go, oh, the other could be nice. But the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and Barry Chance said, Bill, forget the other, that's yours. I mean, why? He goes, because you grow with it. Because you're not ready for that. And he knew me well. And if I had done that, took the other, I wouldn't have found my wife. I wouldn't have my four beautiful kids and six magnificent grandchildren. I wouldn't have the Christian Family Centre and all that's taken place. And so uh, Jesus' will is, is, is loving and you don't kind of go against wise advice. Have a look at this one here, this scripture. Instead, making up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You see, the will of God is always in harmony with the nature of God, as I mentioned. And, and so here we see acting in love ruggedly tests the genuineness of your guidance. So in following Jesus' guidance, you've got to be considerate of the feelings of other people. And that's why in, in, in the assessment of, of who's going to be the new lead pastor, I said, well, look, I want to know what the women think. So I sat down with them, asked them point blank. Tell me what you really think of Sam. Tell me what you really think of Joe. Be honest, be upfront. And they did. They were honest. And then I, I had my wife, and then the whole, and then, then so you, you're not frightened by counsellors. You're not frightened by people who might have a contrary thought pattern. And it's just amazing that everyone, 16 people, all confirmed this, which is a great confirmation to you guys, the process. It's not one man making the decision. It's Jesus making the decision through the process. One man obviously has to give leadership and, and lay the framework, but there's got to be, it's got to work through team and, and honesty and integrity and, and there can't be dead bodies everywhere. And even with the process of how we've operated, I've, I've opened myself up and said, look, if anyone wants to talk to me personally over a cup of coffee, even in our governance structure, how we operate, come and talk to us. If you're uncertain, it's like, okay, this is because if you're in the will of God, you would do everything in your power to ease the effect of the will of God on your life and other people, to, get, to help them to understand. And um, this means going to the limit of your ability to ease the effect of that guidance on other people. Some people may misunderstand what you're doing and may even oppose it. And although God's will for you may offend them, we should never offend by our manner. Never. I remember when I... I finished university, I've done six years study, I've got two degrees, I've got a diploma in theology. And my you know, Greek parents, oh, I love them, I love my parents, they're in heaven. But like, you go out and work and earn a lot of money, and you buy your house, and you, you, you start your, you know, like, and then even within the church, my good Pentecostal church, and the pastors, they thought, Bill, you've, you've tossed in a top job, to be a teacher, to earn all this money? And you are what? You're a toilet cleaner? I said, I'm the most educated toilet cleaner in Australia. <laughs> and I clean the filthiest, rottenest toilets at a drive-in theatre. And you've got to believe what people do at drive-in theatres. 
6 o'clock in the morning to 10, I had to clean those toilets. But God spoke to me and says, don't take that job. Use your teacher registration to go and evangelise the schools. Just earn enough money to hire fact and faith films, you won't remember those, and take them into the school, set up Christian groups. And I had an audience sometimes of 3,000 people a week. Half of them, maybe more, non-Christians. And yet, even pastors, my family, misunderstood. And they're saying, Bill, one pastor said, Bill, we love you and we admire your enthusiasm, but can't see it. What did I do to my parents and those that love me? Well, the will of God is more important. You guys are not listening to God. He speaks to me. Ah, you know, like breaking fellowship. No, 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 no. I bent over backwards to ease the effect upon them because the will of God doesn't violate the love of God. And these people love me. They were concerned. They misunderstood. So if God guides you and he's leading you to do something, it'll never be at the expense of deliberately hurting other people. That's just not the nature of God. And it's very important for us to grab this. What I've appreciated with Sam and Joe is their total humility in the process. Amazing humility. In fact, I, I, I initially thought, he's just too humble. I want to see someone with a bit of grunt, a bit of fire. How are you going to handle a difficult person? Someone who's, and, and we, you know, as, like, and so I'm judging him by me. Because I was an incredibly ambitious person, and still am, very ambitious, driven. If I let myself go, I won't sleep at night. A new idea every day. And so a lot of that ambition, when I came into the things of God, some, a lot of it was actually, not well, say half of it was, was unholy. Okay, God had to break me to humble me. And if you read my books, you'll see those humbling experiences, three of them where I nearly quit. And he broke me. And I had to give up and I had to say, Lord, it is your church. It's about you, not about me. And so I had to learn that humility. This guy... It just comes naturally. makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> but because somebody's humble and meek does not mean they're weak. Jesus was the meekest man that ever lived. Ma Matthew 11 says he's gentle and humble. The Greek words praotes and tapenophrusi, magnificent words, and it means having all your strengths under control. You've got nothing to prove. You're not yeller, a yeller, a screamer, trying to push your way. Sam is a strong man. Joe's a strong woman. They're going to lead really well and with an excellent team. And so uh, the love of God is, but they're, going to, they're, they're loving. They're, they're, they're considering the best interests of the people. And that's really most important. We give our lives to our people. So some people misunderstand that. And look, finally, let me say Jesus' will is patient. Patience is mentioned several times as one of the most vital fruits of the Holy Spirit. We tend to talk about love. I'd like to start the other way, self-control. I think that's one that we really need. Cool. Patience, man, do we need that. And, and look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4. When Paul says what is love, he starts off by saying it's patient. Interesting. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. not proud. We all need to discipline the tendency to be impetuous. That's a human trait. We 
we all can be impetuous. God may be waiting to more perfectly arrange situations and circumstances and you acting prematurely may frustrate this. This is what the psalmist says. Look, it says, I remain confident of this, Psalm 27. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He goes, this is one of my favorite scriptures. All my grandkids have memorized this one. I say, Psalm 27, when I'm taking to school, Psalm 27, 13. Oh, Papa, what is it? Give us a cue. I cannot help but believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. They like that. It's about blessing in this land of the living, but they don't like the second part. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Look at Psalm 37, verse 7. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Avoid making decisions under pressure. Don't do it, particularly when they have long-term effects. Wait until the pressures are eased so that you can make a decision having considered all the facts. And the big ones, I mean the really big ones. How many people just muck up the big ones? And to me the big ones, are there's only four big major decisions in life really when you think about it. Is will I, will I not serve Jesus? Is he going to be Lord and Master of my life? And I say the decision to be committed and dedicated is number one because that's the hub of everything else. It's like the wheel of life. He is the hub and everything else flows. And I think secondly, your life partner. Man, that's a really important one. That's why your marriage courses. And and I I encourage people now to say, don't announce your engagement until you do the prepare program. This is the one that all the church, just in case you're wrong, because love is blind. Honeymoons end really quickly. (laughs) And real loving and real living and real adjusting start. You could be wrong. They don't do it. They just, I love her. She loves me. That's all that counts. It's all feelings. It's their sex hormones speaking to their brain. I said, come on, guys. We've got to think through. I've got a whole testing mechanism of, of choosing the right person. How do you know? Objectifying. But nobody listens to me on this one. They just do it. So we love them anyway. Your life partner, your vocation, your career, what God is saying to you that you're going to spend the good part of your day doing. Very important decision. So I look at your commitment to Christ also as being part of your service for him in the church. I don't divorce that. One, two, life partner, vocation, your career. And fourthly, your house. Your biggest asset will be your house. And people just listen to land agents and just go, oh, I'll buy it, I'll buy emotionally. I like it, I get it. And I say, don't do it. Don't, don't, objectify it. Just, just work out location, location, position, value, all that stuff. You make that wrong decision and you've got difficulties. You could be dogged with this for 30 years, particularly with the way our banks have operated. And I hope the Prime Minister cleans that one up in the next few weeks. But, uh, but seriously... You think, you think of what are the really big decisions, the biggest ones. Well, I think it's, am I going to serve Jesus or not? Am I going to love him, number one, and serve his purposes through his church? Who's going to be my life partner? And, 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 and if you have a life partner and you have a difficulty in your relationship, then sort it out with Jesus' help. If it's a marriage of two, it doesn't work. Marriages of two don't work. It's got to be a marriage of three. 
I say this all the time. I say, okay, you need another person in your marriage to really make it work. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. If he's not number one, you ain't going to make it properly, or you will, but you're going to have a lot of difficulties. You need his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, his power to bring you together in those difficult times. Your vocation, your house purchase. And uh, I know for myself, um, I, was so, I am naturally a very impatient person. I'm driven, ambitious, and incredibly impatient. I had to learn this the hard way. I'm saved at 17. God calls me at 19. And it was 24 years of age before I went to full-time ministry. It was actually 22, and I thought it was the end of the world. I wanted to do it straight away. And, 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 and I'm like this, and I was, would have been... I could have made some terrible decisions in those early years. Thankfully, I had good pastors, and I loved them. Leo Harris, Barry Chant, and they kind of helped guide me, this enthusiasm. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to being impatient and impetuous, and I feel there's a couple of you here today that you're like me, and you make wrong decisions. God's speaking to you to say, learn, learn, pull back. And there's a little maxim, I think, is if you're in doubt, don't. Don't. If in doubt, don't. <laughs> That's a rule of life. Make sure all these guidance factors are, are, are operating within you. Get the first message about being guided by the word, by the spirit, making sure the peace of God controls you. And uh, so God's... Jesus' will is, is going to be outworked by you being dedicated, different and dis disciplined. His will's going to be outworked when you accept that you're in his will now. Stop striving and trying to get into it. Accept that you're in it. He will lead you. He will guide you. If a new door opens, it'll become clear. It'll use those guidance factors. His will is good, acceptable and perfect. It'll suit you. It's not going to call you to do something that you shouldn't do. His will is loving. And his will is patient. Can I hear an amen? This is important for some of you to grab. This is what's guided us in making the appointment with Sam and Joe. That's why I felt to share it. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Loving Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these scriptures. Thank you that we can talk about a, a most important subject of how your son Jesus guides us through the word and through the spirit and through wise leaders and counselors and how your peace can keep our hearts or can disturb our hearts as well. And we thank you, Lord, that, that we can be assured that we can know your good and acceptable and perfect will as we dedicate ourselves to you, as we make the decision to be different to the world and not let the world systems confuse and complicate our lives. So the static is so high that we can't tune in to your voice. Help us to be dedicated and different and, and to discipline our minds, Lord, to conform to 
what you think about us. And as Paul said, in view of, of your great mercy in saving us, what other choice do we have but to do this, to lay our lives on the altar? And Lord, then we know that uh, we can be assured that we're in your will here in the present. And, and I pray that everyone here would understand and, and be delivered from striving to forever trying to get into it, but accept that they're in unless you show them otherwise in some matter. And that your will is good and acceptable and perfect. It suits us. It's good for us. It's acceptable that, Lord, it flows, that you open the doors for us. You close the wrong doors. It suits our personality, our temperament, our particular gifts, our life experience. And you will guide us in this. And it's loving and patient. Loving and patient. Thank you, Lord. And, and I pray, Lord, for people here who are heading into some very precious years, retirement years. And I feel this for some of you. As we're in an attitude of prayer, some of you have entered retirement, which to me is, yes, ceasing being employed. But it's not the end. It's actually a door closing that, that was of God so that another door can open, an opportunity by which you can be refired and find ways of using the gifts that God has given to you to serve his purposes in and through the church and outside. And for some of you here, it's going to be an exciting journey. It's not a loss. It's a change. But you're in the will of God and he's going to guide you. He's going to open the right door. But it's going to be good for you. It's going to be acceptable to you. It's going to be perfect. It's going to suit you. And he will guide you. Don't be anxious about what's going to happen. But he will in fact guide you and lead you. And his peace will, will just totally control your heart. And it's going to produce terrific fruit. Using your gifts and abilities to serve his purposes in and through the life of this church and to other, in other areas is, is an exciting journey for you. And don't fear it. Don't be anxious. Trust him. Father, I pray for those folks. Bless them, Lord. Help them. May they become key ministry gifts operating in the life of this church. May they find something that's going to just help our world in, in areas where they've got expertise and where they've got particular gifts. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be the most loving and patient people, that we don't run ahead of you, and that we always consider your direction in our life and, and its effect upon other people. So, Lord, bless these people. Bless every individual, every couple, this entire church family. And may the, our best years be ahead of us. And as we induct Sam next week and, and, and he shares his, his message, I pray that it'll be a great catalytic time as we move forward to the next phase of what you want to do in and through the Christian Family Centre in the Hills. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It's been great to share with you.